Hello and welcome, fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're welcoming another special guest, Cedric Brinson, an engagement consultant with the Credit Union National Association. Welcome, Cedric. Yay! Thank you so much. Thank you both for having me today. I am extremely excited to be here. Well, we are very excited to have you here, uh, especially because, as I understand it, you have a unique distinction of being someone who asked to be on the podcast instead of being begged by me. I did beg, but not you started it. <laughs> and we really appreciate that. What made you want to join us for our podcast, Cedric? Well, oh gosh, that, that can be loaded, but I'm not going to give you the loaded version. It took <laughs> thing I saw I was scrolling through my LinkedIn and I saw Bing and I don't know if we're gonna go into our history a little later but when I saw Bing it just took me back to my uh GAC crash experience where he was one of our mentors and extremely fond of Bing and the things that he was doing and and the impact that he had on me personally but then I saw I saw Ben and I saw podcast and I'm like that makes a lot of sense. And I was like, if this will get me an opportunity to connect with him and say hello and kind of hash it out, then absolutely I want to be a part of it. So that, you know, the rest was up to y'all. I don't know what your format <laughs> is for collecting guests and things like that, but I'm totally honored to, to be in this space to, to, to share my story and to reconnect uh, with people that have impacted my life tremendously. Well, that is fantastic. I'm pretty fond of Ben too. Oh yeah, I've gotten a little attached to him. So, uh, you know, we might as well let's let's hear it. How did you guys meet? We might as well start there. Well, so, let me first before Cedric tells any more backstory. I just need to make it very clear, Cedric. You don't need to be a guest on the podcast to connect with me or talk to me. Call me anytime. I'm right here. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I thank you for that, and I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so for me, um, I got an extreme opportunity to be a crasher at the Governmental Affairs Conference in 2020. And I met Ben as one of the mentors uh, each, you know, from the for the number of crashers that we had it was divided into uh, different groups and they had specific mentors. Where he was not my direct mentor, um, you know, we spent a lot of time together and I knew where his passion was and where it resided with people. And so we connected there because, you know, anybody that knows me, that's my heart. It's people. It's not it's not color. It's not ethnicity. It's not background. It's people. And so, you know, I'm going to remind him of something right now that he will probably never remember. But we were at. We were at the hotel that we were staying at, and, and he and I were engaged in conversation. And just throughout the course of weeks, see, I had no idea. I've never experienced this before, being in cahoots with people that I've never met before in such a short window of a week and having them impact my life so much. I've never encountered that. And so as the days are rolling, that's happening like every single day. And so Ben and I, we, get, we got together and we were standing in the lobby of this hotel. And he's like, Cedric, it didn't take me long, but you're going to do, I, I recognize that you're going to do some powerful things in this industry. Uh, and 
everything that you encounter is going to be well-deserved. Like I took that way back to Mississippi where I'm from. We were in DC and I literally started to try to live that out because if that's what he saw, I don't want anything other than that. I don't want anything other attached to me than what he said that he saw. So those words were very impactful, man. And it made me come back home and want to inject positivity in not only my community, but every room that I walk into, I try to walk in that frame of mind. So thank you for lighting that spark. You know, it just happened so organically that week. And, you know, I came back and my CEO at the credit union at the time, he gave me an opportunity to address this all staff. We had an all staff meeting and he said, Cedric, tell us about your GAC experience. And <laughs> for 20 seconds, I couldn't say a word. Like I was speechless. I, 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 there are tears flowing and he goes, okay, clearly we didn't let you prepare for this. So we'll <laughs> reschedule this for another time. Um, but, but that's just how impactful that, that opportunity was. And so, you know, I've met wonderful people since that time, but, you know, I pay homage to uh, humble beginnings and, and where it all started. And I think that was the spark. GAC 2020 was the spark of my career trajecting upward. So um, I, I pay homage to those that have had impact on that. Wow. Uh, that is awesome. I do recall a conversation with, I mean, I remember several conversations with you uh, throughout that week. Um, I do remember chatting in the lobby, but I will be honest, I don't I remember exactly what I said or anything, but I'm also not shocked to hear your story because I do remember, I mean, first off, everybody that was there as a crasher was an amazing person that brought their own energy and like you can't help but see uh, like the potential in every single person there. And simultaneously, there were a few people that, at least to me, like stuck out um, right away and you were one of them. And first off, I will say the reason that you stuck out to me um, from the first moment I saw you was this guy dresses so well. His style is amazing. So like first I was like, man, this guy, he looks good. And then <laughs> to hear him talk and to see him interact. And I mean, you, you mentioned the word organic. I, I think that my um, message to you, Cedric, was probably really organic because I was just reflecting right back to you what you give off i mean your your nature and the love and positivity that comes out of you i mean like you feel that immediately when you meet you so it's easy for it for me to give it back so um thanks for sharing that story uh super grateful i mean gac 2020 was an amazing experience for me as a mentor um you know i mean i was asked um kind of late in the game uh, a mentor had to I believe a mentor had to step out. So um, Courtney from the Cooperative Trust with Filene was looking for a, a replacement. And, um, you know, so I signed on to that kind of kind of short notice, but so happy I said yes, um, because I got to meet amazing people like you. So I, it's, it's really, man, it makes me, it fills my heart, uh, makes me feel really, really great to know that a little moment like that uh, can make such a big change. And, Clearly, you're doing amazing things. So I also like to know that I wasn't wrong. So thanks for the validation. <laughs> well, in the, also in the spirit of paying it forward, um, 
I think I think people gravitated to what you saw as well and where the end of that year was pandemonium. I mean, it was the world was turned upside down in 2020. Uh, but in the spirit again of paying it forward, I got a chance to, I think in 2021, they did a virtual GAC. And Courtney asked me to come and be a mentor for the virtual. And because, you know, virtual, the virtual experience of GAC is not, you know, what you would like it to be. She asked me to come back for 2022. And so I got a chance to be a crash mentor and literally pay it back and pay it forward to those that have that stood out, stuck out and and really pour into them in the manner that you did for me. So that's a trajectory, man. And I, I think that's what we're in this space to do is just, you know, create the cycle and create the wheel of positivity and helping people discover their value and things like that. So if you couldn't already tell, like I'm excited about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> you might have to stop me from time to time. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh man. So um yeah, gosh, lots of lots of love and gratitude going around there. And I suppose both of us probably owe uh some gratitude to Courtney at the Cooperative Trust for the opportunity with GAC and the crash program and everything. And I mean, we're just two people that have been through that. I mean, I can only imagine the impact of that program and um opportunities to crash, uh, you know, not only GAC, but other great industry events where, um, you know, really people's lives are changing. You know, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So awesome. I'm so glad that we got to go there during this episode. That's so great. So, okay. Shifting gears a little bit, Cedric, uh, you're pretty new to your role at CUNA. Um, love to hear all about that. So, um, um, before we do, let's talk a little bit about what got you there. I mean, you mentioned the moment at GAC and maybe a trajectory change there, but what's happened since then and how'd you wind up at CUNA? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer in the stars aligning and, and you ending up exactly where you're supposed to be, no matter the, the, the roadmap that it took to get there. Um, I tell people that I am a converted banker. <laughs> so I, I, I go back to 2004. My father is a roofing contractor. For anyone that, don't, that doesn't know what that is, they are the crews that literally puts the roofs on top of your house. He's a contractor. He builds houses. He puts roofs on. That was my upbringing in school. And I don't know how much y'all know about Mississippi, but the only time I could go out there was in the summer. And Mississippi gets hot in the summer. And I remember being out there one day and I say, this is not it. This is not <laughs> what I'm doing. But my dad is like, oh, yeah, it is. Until you decide that you're going to school or you're going to get a job or whatever. He was trying to instill in me that you're not going to be lazy. You're going to be respectful. You're going to you're going to become a man, a real man. Right. And so on this particular day, it was so hot that I wasn't hearing that. You know, I'm like, I'll show you. I'm going to go get me a job and it won't be doing this kind of thing. So I remember getting on the phone with a friend of mine. I was like, look, I got to do something. This friend worked at this bank and he and and he's like. I literally just got through done talking with my manager. We are looking for some some good people. I said, I don't care what it is. 
I'm the type that I feel like if I can get my foot in the door, we'll be all right. And so that opportunity happened the summer of 20, uh, I mean, 2004. I got this call, come in as a part-time teller in the drive-thru. I'm like, got it, I'll do it. But in my thinking, y'all, it was, I'm going to show my dad, you know, I'm going to show him that I don't, I'm not going to do this work. I'm going to, little to understand that it would do nothing but push me into the landscape that I'm supposed to be, which was people. Now, the differential with banks and credit unions, people know, I mean, it's, it's, it's cultural differences and things like that. What we do every day is pretty much the same. Yes, we deposit checks, we make loans, we interact with people, but the overall industry is not the same. And so from 2004 to 2016, at that bank, I had done everything from part-time teller to commercial real estate lending. And so in that same vein, establishing relationships and doing it for uh, businesses and things like that, creating a name for myself. But in 2016, I still felt void. I still felt like I was not making an impact on the lives not just helping them with it with what they needed that day. So I had I graduated from the Mississippi School of Banking at Ole Miss. And in that class, there was a guy who was attending that class also who was a vendor to both credit unions and banks. So I would do all this talking during the course of the school and he would tell me, man, the way that you talk about helping people and things like that, that doesn't sound like the banking industry. It sounds like credit unions. Well, in 16, I had never heard of credit. I didn't know what it meant, what it stood for. And matter of fact, the way that he was explaining it to me sounded like you had to be a part of something and you're going to give blood samples and, and everything like that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. He said, listen, I just talked to a CEO in Mississippi that is looking for a young, energetic, person that can galvanize a team and, and create an atmosphere of unity and overall high morale. And he's like, man, that's you. That sounds like you. And I shown him away. I was like, no, man, yeah, I don't think that's for me. I've been here 14 years. I've created, you know, some history here. I, I'm going to retire. And we left it at that. Well, about two weeks after that, he comes knocking on my door at that bank and we were closing up for the day. And I'm like, dude, I'm ready. To, we're going home. What are you doing? He was like, five minutes. Give me five minutes. This CEO wants to meet you today. He said he'll take you to dinner and, and tell you more about the credit union, let you get interested. And even in that thinking, I was like, okay, well, what's a free meal? I'll go eat for sure. You know, <laughs> say. But to sit at that table and listen to him talk about the credit union and how the mantra was people helping people and the philosophies of the culture and the movement and how we're impacting people's lives way further than the credit score and then lending. It's 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 creating a a financial well-being for all uh, systems. And I said, okay, yeah, that does sound like me. And he's like, trust me, I I I he I the reference came from a, a good source. So he's like, I think you might be the person that we're looking for. And so. I, I researched a little bit more and I did. I came up with a notice to give the to give that bank and I started a journey of credit unions. 
in that journey, um, I came in as a branch manager, but I got my, that CEO gave me opportunities like GAC. Um, I got a chance to go through DE. And for anybody that knows about that, it's the, the Developmental Educator Program uh, with the foundation. That experience changed my life. And so all it did was confirm that I was supposed to be in this space. And so I'm going to do a lot of fast forwarding here. From 2016 till April of this year, I was doing just that, injecting the positivity, creating cultures that people saw value in themselves, no matter what their credit score was, no matter what they had gone through in their past, the credit unions are here to propel them forward as best we could. So branch manager, I even I did some collections, you know, and most people. They should have tough skin to deal with that because that's a different type of department. But the CEO gave me that role because he said, Cedric, this is not about collection. This is about connecting with people who have lost jobs, who have lost income. The way that you can connect with them is not going to be, all right, now, if you don't make this payment, we're going to come get that car. It's not about that. It's what can we do? Let's talk about this. Let's create a roadmap that will let you maintain your dignity and be able to go forward, but we understand that things happen. So now that position was short-lived because I started giving the credit union away in, in form <laughs> of, of, of like extensions and things like that. And so there is a business case to the collections department, but he's like, yeah, Cedric, we're gonna have to get some some collectors in here that that don't that understand. <laughs> but I appreciated what he saw and heard. He said, I need someone in 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 this hard stricken time to connect with our members. Um, so I left there, I left that credit union being the brand ambassador. It was a created position um, and it was all because of the heart and the passion that I exuded every day I walked in that place. And um, in April of this year, I got a call from the Credit Union National Association, Russell Sawyer, who ended up being in my DE class in 2017. And again, the stars are aligning here, but I'm going through so many different obstacles and challenges and things like that to end up here. And he says, Cedric, we've been watching. He's like, your impact is what this industry needs. How would you like to do what you're doing right now on a national platform? Mm. And, you know, over the phone, you're trying to be all calm and you're like, but I was really like, <laughs> and so I tell people, be careful what you pray for, because during that time at the credit union, I was still saying there's so much more to do. Going to GAC and and being with peers from all over the country, and I'm seeing how things are working in their neck of the woods and seeing where, where, where it's happening for me. I wanted to connect a much bigger scale. And so I would pray for that. I was like, Lord, give me an opportunity to shine this light that you've given me where people can see, you know, that's what I want. That's what Cedric has asked for. So to get that call was off the Richter scale for me. And of course I said, absolutely, that, that's, that's what I want. And so my one credit union in Mississippi has turned to over seven states now of credit unions and credit union CEOs. I get to engage with various regions credit unions, their leadership team, and it all still comes and stems from 
this place of passion that um, I feel like we are destined to do. And I, I feel like there's nothing like being confirmed that you're calling, it, that you're walking in that and you're living in that. And so CUNA did that for me. They gave me an opportunity to live out my passion and I dare not take that for granted. So anytime I go somewhere, have to travel, have to speak, you know, I think about that and I remember that everybody doesn't get this opportunity. And so I will not be the one that 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 tanks the name of, you know, people helping people or or, you know, I won't be the one to bring a negative reproach to um, the industry and the movement that we have. So I am totally grateful of every opportunity that I have because I know that it came from a place of being genuine and and, and just loving on people. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that is such a great story. And uh, having just met you, I I did a little research. I scrolled your LinkedIn. I wanted to find out who Cedric was. And uh, I noticed several times in different posts that you mention that you have you are pouring into people's lives or people are pouring into yours. So I am very interested to hear what that means to you and what how that personal mission is being lived out in your day-to-day right now yeah um it's so funny you ask that because where where people see all the highs and the highlights and things like that and and all the posts like i do that strategically because i want people to i want people to share in what i'm feeling but a lot of times it is it comes a lot of it comes from a place of pain you know, I've had some experiences also that would make you, you know, bang your head against the wall. Like, why am I doing this? And so I just asked a mentor of mine not too long ago, what happens when, you know, his cup needs filling? Like, you can't keep pouring from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. So when I tell people that I'm trying to pour into their to their lives, I also talk about the people that pour back into mine because I know this is not just and this is not the easy road. And I don't even want people to think that that their everyday living is going to be just scot free with all these bells and whistles and things like that. But the bounce back effect, you know, once you've hit rock bottom, are you going to stay there? You know, are you going to just stay and waddle in your the, 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 the depressions of of life? Or do you use those moments to pour back into your cup so you can keep feeling others? So. That's what it means to me. I, I trust me, if I'm pouring, I've been poured into. And we started the segment with talking about that, being poured into me. And I dare not take that back and just keep it all to myself. Like there are some young, I have a real heart for young professionals. Um, I'm a champion for them because I know that they're going to experience some lows in all of the, uh, all of their attempts to create highs, they're going to experience lows. And I want to be responsible. I, I hold myself accountable for helping people through their journeys and uh, helping them to overcome the obstacles that they will have. Now, if you show me a person that says, I made it to the top and I didn't have one general obstacle, I'm going to tell people to beware of that individual. <laughs> something's not right. With that. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, Again, we're talking humble beginnings and then a total appreciation for some of the accomplishments that have 
mm-hmm. have been made. I don't feel like I have arrived, nor am I trying to arrive. I want to go through the process. I want to do the work of helping people overcome um, challenges because it feels great. It feels good to be in company with Pope, with people that that have stories to tell. And, and because my experiences are not for me, they're for someone else. I'm going to encounter somebody that's going to say, Cedric, I'm going through it. And because I've gone through, I can genuinely help them. I don't just pull out one of these books and start quoting, you know, paragraphs to them. I've, I'm, I'm sharing life learned experiences. And, you know, I don't know what kind of time we have, y'all, but I would like to share the rock bottom that I hit that really confirmed this space that I'm in. A lot of people don't know this, but in 2009, my wife and I lost a set of twins. She was about seven months pregnant. And, you know, I walked around like a champion. I was like, I'm telling all my boys, I'm having twins, man. You know, who can do that? I was like, that's me. And I was such a proud uh, person at that time. But during that, you know, pregnancy is high risk. Anyway, so we were back and forth to the hospital and I'm telling my wife, babe, it's okay. You know, this is just something that we have to do. You know, she's experiencing all these complications and I'm like coaching her through it or trying to be as supportive as as I can, not being a physician. Obviously, it's just the fatherly, it's just the the husband support that I was given. Well, going into that seventh month, um, we rushed to the hospital and I don't mean to get too graphic or gross you all out, but she was losing blood by the minute. Mm. And her blood pressure is spiking. And I got called out into the hallway and the doctor says, Cedric, um, something's not right. We have to go in and get these babies out or you're going to lose your wife. But she's out of it. So we can't ask her. We need you to make this call. And selfishly, in my mind, I'm saying, no, we're at the best hospital that, that's in the country. You know, the UMC, that y'all are known for your pediatric care and your triage and all that. Help us. And they said, Cedric, we've done everything that we know we can do. But if we don't go in and get those babies out right now, you're going to lose your wife. And so when the bombshell hit and I understood what she was saying, I said, OK, you have to do what you got to do. So they go in. They Emergency go through, they get it, they get the babies out. She comes back and says, Cedric, if that wasn't enough bad news for you, the way that we had to go in and cut and, and do all this th- do all these things to harry and get them out, we're not sure if you all are gonna ever be able to have kids again. Now that one was a hard one because I grew up wanting to have kids obviously you know and so i'm devastated i'm sitting in this hallway and they said but we'll give you time to process that right now you have two babies here that are struggling you know they have they they are developed and everything but their long capacity is not where it needs to be to live outside of the body and so i asked them i said so how much time do i have and they said you have about if we're guessing, we have about two hours. So I said, give them to me. I need to see them. So they put me in this rocking chair. And it's a girl and a boy, Taylor and Tyler. And I'm, I'm um, 
they they sit me in this rocking chair and for two solid hours, y'all, I rock those babies. Two hours. And simultaneously, the both of them, they took their last breath at the same exact time. And I'm to a point now where I can really talk about this without the emotional breakdown. So you all just bear with me. Um, and so in that moment, I understand that everything has a purpose. And so I give them back, you know, I, give them, I take them on and I have a I have a total meltdown in the hallway because I do consider myself to be a, a person of faith. And I believe but that particular day I had questions out of the wazoo. I had the why me? You let me go seven months. You know, and I've I've done I've been trying to do things right. Like why? And the that still calm voice said, I don't want you to worry about what you're experiencing right now. I have something better for you. I didn't want to hear that in that moment, but these are the challenges that I'm talking about, y'all, the life experiences. And so at some point, I gathered myself and I said, I said, OK, I said, this this hurts. I said, but OK, I want to see what this is that you're talking about. So. Year or so later. My wife comes in, she's like. I think I'm pregnant. I'm like, no, nah, they said that they said that you probably wouldn't be able to. They, they did all the like I know. Long story short, we were pregnant with our first son. But he came at 36 weeks, which is a month early. And I'm like, oh, no. Here we go again. But so there was a there was a month in the NICU where he had bubble difficulty breathing and things like that. But he came out. Uh, everything's well. Three years later. He says, um. Yeah, I think I'm pregnant again. Like, wait a minute. We gotta stop this now. This is this is not funny anymore. The second one says, "I'm gonna top the first one. I'm coming at 34 weeks." I was like, "No, this this is ridiculous. No, this (laughs) comes out. He's super early. He goes through a stint of NICU, having difficulty breathing. He stays in the hospital for about a month. He develops what he needs." He comes home. There's two boys. I'm knowing that we are done here. No more kids because they told us that we couldn't have. Here she comes again. (laughs) Y'all can guess he came at 32 weeks. And so I love to tell this story because as 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 the pain and things that comes along with it, you would ask, well, why keep doing that? Well, that third time, I I literally cut it off because I couldn't take the emotional. He's confirming to me, guys. I told you I had you. So don't, you know, don't worry about it. And I'm not discrediting doctors and physicians and things like that. They're they're in the earth for a purpose and a reason. But in my case, he was showing me, I promised you a while ago that I had you and I would create a space that you will be able to live and tell a story that will impact people. So I have three boys, y'all, 14, 11, and five. And that five-year-old, I will ship to y'all right now in a FedEx (laughs) box with no return label because he has definitely (laughs) been So my story might not be 
someone else's story, but they have hit rock bottom like mm-hmm. I did. I, I did not feel like I had anything to offer the world after that because of the crushing blow that it had. So now I tell that story when I go places and, you know, it has this effect and, and, and all it does is it confirms me. It confirms me, Cedric, you had to go through. And if you just trust and believe in yourself, me and others, because we struggle as a people not to trust each other. You know, right. we, we, we get information and we hold on to it. We don't try to help build character and build people up. Um, but the credit union space does. You know, I've, I've noticed that. And I have friends in, very, in various industries and they are, they are plum jealous of me talking about credit unions and our industry of what we get to do um, within the lives of people. So I appreciate y'all letting me share that story because it is the story that keeps me grounded. You know, I can never get here because I've been here mm-hmm. and I know yeah. what it's like. And so I'm appreciative of opportunities to 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 impact the lives of others. So yeah. that's always a tough one for me. I remember trying to get that one out and not being able to do it. And so there's some growth in there. So I just hope that yeah. someone that and it helps someone. We, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I think people, you know, even in the credit union industry, we've got a lot of rock stars. We have a lot of people that uh, that build a following. Um, and they, I think it is really tempting to be the person looking at you and saying, well, here's Cedric. Like, he's got the fit going on. He's looking cool. He sounded smart. And he's just, he's this charismatic guy. And now he's going to go up in front of this. He'll go up in front of a group of YPs. And maybe there's a kid there who's like me when I was a kid uh, looking at going, well, yeah, but I'll never be that because Cedric is blessed and I'm just me. Right. So I think it's so great to bring, bring forth this idea that we all you know, we're all whole people. We all have lives outside of our jobs. We all have things that could have knocked us to the ground and kept us there if we allowed them to. And the more that we can, uh, the more we can normalize that, the more we can talk about that. And especially say to, uh, to younger professionals, Hey, you know, this is the stuff that's going to happen. And, uh, it's okay that you struggle with it when it happens. It's okay that you have to heal from it. That's that's what we do. And you know, healing makes us stronger. Healing pushes us forward. And you're going to take that story and you're going to do something with it. Yeah, the goal is just not to stay there. When you get knocked down, don't stay there. You got to get up. You got to push forward. You got to lean on people. You can't do it by yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of you, man, for sharing that story. I know that stuff is not easy. It's heavy. I think you've seen you've seen me get emotional with some stories that uh, from some of my rock bottoms or some things that have happened in my life. So, uh, and to Sue's point, I think, and, and not to you know get into gender talk or anything like that here, but um, 
well, shoot, I don't know. Let's get there because I think it's healthy for us to get there. I think when two grown men like yeah. us that from the outside, you know, look like we got it all together and got it going on, uh, open up and say, well, not always everybody, um, you know, that's humbling for us. It's important to share that with others and, you know, helps, um, you know, I think that vulnerability is just super important um, in a world where, you know, the, the non-vulnerable or the glamour is what gets the glory most of the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Like Sue said, that's, that's awesome. Um, so, I mean, clearly you've uh, had a little bit of practice in storytelling. I imagine that's part of your role as an engagement consultant. Um, you know, it sounds like, you know, just that relationship building and, you know, kind of being, you know, an apostle for the industry and things like that are, uh, part of the role, but t- tell us like what's, I'm sure no day is the same, but what's, what's the average day or what's a day look like as an engagement consultant? What, what do you do in that role? Okay. Um, so <laughs> that's a great question. I know I got <laughs> it, but uh, so as an engagement consultant, you know, a uh, couple of primary things that we focus on is one advocacy of the industry and then advocacy um, on Capitol Hill with, uh, having representatives that talk about credit union. Um, the hill hikes and, and being able to go and sit with congressmen, congressmen and senators and, and advocate for credit union is, is one thing that we, we get a chance to do. Um, advocacy is a huge piece. The other one is membership and affiliation. If credit unions are out, if credit unions are out there and are not affiliated with CUNA, I get to go and take a deep dive as to one why, and as to two, for the ones that are really saying thank you. This is the impact that you are helping us have as a national uh, resource tool uh, for credit unions across the country. So it's advocacy, it is affiliation. Um, You probably have heard that there is a merger between CUNA and NAFQ. And so January 1, we will have one umbrella of America's credit unions, which I think is tremendous to have one huge source of all things, resources, tools, education, professional development, um, right at your fingertips, compliance, advocacy, all those things. And to be on the engagement team, I love that because I get to go out and wave a flag that says, hey, America's America's credit unions is here for you. Um, I think it fits again my personality. Um, I am I don't shy away from walking into doors that I've never been before, and I think that's something that they saw. Um, I will go into a credit union not knowing a single soul and feel like I was right at home. Um, that is a gift because a lot of people are like, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't know about that. But <laughs> but yeah, so. As an engagement consultant, I get to go in and meet with CEOs, senior leadership, even staff. And so those are the primary avenues. But when I get there, I always get invited to like a chapter meeting or somewhere. Can you come and speak? Because what you shared with us, somebody needs to hear that. And so it's it's a it's the dual roles. I mean, it's so many things that encompass that. As a matter of fact, when I got on, Russell said. Russell, who is my uh, supervisor, says, Cedric, when they see you, we want them to see us. And I'm like, cool. That's not that's not a gimmick. 
that's what I'm going to do anyway, because that's who I am. And so, again, it's an opportunity that that fits me perfectly. Um, I tell everybody that I have the dream job. Uh, and yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you got some personal stories and some professional stories to share with people, you know, and um, obviously some education around what FEMA or America's Credit Unions uh, does and the support that they provide. Um, any stories that you can share that, um, uh, I don't know, that might be of value, maybe an embarrassing mistake or a, a shining moment, something that um, maybe people have heard, maybe haven't heard? Um, so for me, it's music. If any, if anybody follows me, they know that I'm my, my dad's side of the family is all musically inclined. And so a lot of times, even steering away from what you're supposed to be doing always seems to find its way back. Music for me, I tried to keep separate from my corporate or my uh, my everyday job thing. I, I try to keep that separate, but when you're supposed to be doing it, it's going to find its way into the light of everything that you do. So I just, this is, this is just a story where I got, to, I was at a conference one time and all I was there to do is stand up for about 45 minutes and talk about credit again, give, share kind of my story, some of the things that I, but there's always this one person that has either heard that I sing or can sing, and it ends up happening on that particular platform that I'm trying to keep separate, right? And so I've tried to hide away from that. But every conference that I've spoken at since April 10th to today, they have made me sing. And so I'm like, that thing that I've been trying to keep pushed to the side it's always come back to find me. And and so it's all entangled now. So I can't keep them separate. And so when you you have you have a lot of people that want their social media to be different than what you know you might see in this space of work. It, it's like impossible for me to do that. So now you look on LinkedIn, it might mirror what you see on Facebook. Or Instagram or things like that because I'm I'm a one stop shop. I don't have anything <laughs> at all. like I don't want a separate life. You know what I mean? Uh, so I guess I just tell people that you know if you're gifted in a thing, it's gonna find you. You know, yeah. it's gonna find you no matter what. And where I advocate for credit unions and and credit union employees, I also try to. I also strike a nerve sometimes um, and I say, think about what your gifts and passions are. And that thing is what keeps you up and keeps you, it keeps you great. It's that thing that you even try to push away and it always finds itself back to it. And I have to be careful with that because if that, if that makes someone leave the credit union space to go and be a, a lawyer, you know, who knows? I'm just saying, fill in the blank there. I kind of don't want to be responsible for that, <laughs> but I, but if it helps you find your your why and your purpose, I think I'm yeah. okay. For sure, you know? yeah, and you know you're you're not wrong if that's something 
somebody's supposed to be doing, they're they're going to be gone anyway, you know. And I mean, I think of some of the, um, you know, back to the beginning of the episode talking about our crash experience together. Um, you know, there were some great people there that uh, a couple of them that I know have left credit unions and they're doing something that they definitely are supposed to be doing. Others that have left their credit union or maybe working for a credit union company or vendor or partner, um, you know, and and really very happy in their role. So, you know, I mean, I totally understand your concern, right? Like you don't want to be that guy being like, no, just go do something other than uh, your job at the credit union. But at the same time, and like you say, if that's what they're supposed to be doing, they're, that's where they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I appreciate our space, man. I, I tell you, as a, if you, you think, you said that you thought that I dressed nice. Well, just think about, all I can think about is being in the bank where it was, it was really blue collar. And I don't mean the bank bash. I'm just talking about my experience there. It was blue collar. It was shirt and tie, you know, clean haircut. Um, you know, I have a couple of tattoos. But I knew in that space, they were like, no, we don't do that here. You know, this singing stuff. No, we are. You you are to be across the board professional. And I get that. I'm all about professionalism as well. But I'm also about authenticity and living out your way of living. And yeah. so when I got to Credit Jeans and I saw tattoos and I saw, um, you know, if you can, I got this hat on, but like I have like this hard line in my hair. That's like I like. That's how I like my haircut. It was frowned upon back then. So I was in a box of of learning, and I I, I am. Let me preface this. I am appreciative of every day in that bank because yeah. it taught me a lot in the interim. I'm not taking away from any of that, but to be in a space where I can be authentic. And what I look like does not have bearing on what I'm saying to you. Yeah. Is special. Yeah. Special. So if you're with an organization that allows you to be authentically you, you're where you're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm off of that now. I'm done with Love that. Love it. Love no. it. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, we have definitely taken up a lot of your time. We do need to wrap up, but before we close we're going to do our regular segment where we share something awesome this can be an experience a referral to some cool content whatever whatever it is hopefully you've brought something or you can think of something uh while i blab here so i'll kick us off mm -hmm. and i'm, I'm going to share a link to this article and um i don't have all the facts right this is very common when i give my something awesome I know <laughs> just, enough, just enough to tease it and hopefully let people uh, visit the link themselves and hear a story or see something cool. And so the link that I'm sharing is um, this dude in New Hampshire who lived a relatively normal life, I think owned or managed a uh, mobile home park, a trailer park, right? Um, so, you know, like the optics of everything about his life were humble, simple, uh, you know, the assumption was definitely that he didn't have a ton of money or anything like that, rode a bicycle, uh, around town, you know, all of the things like if you can stereotype someone or put them in a bucket or a box, you know, you're putting this guy in some very um, easy to assume boxes, right? 
So the guy passes away, and in his will, he has $3.8 million that he gives back to his little community in New Hampshire to support things like education, facilities, upgrades. There's like a clock tower in town that hadn't worked for decades. Like, fix that thing, right? You know, so um, just a cool story to hear and see. And I think like a nice reminder of, you know, very cliche, don't judge a book by its cover and all of those things. but you know, thinking of, you know, um, you know, speaking, speaking solely for myself and of myself, like that guy is who I want to be. Like, I, I mean, I, I like to, you know, dress nice and look good and all of that stuff too. And I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to ride a bike around town. I'll probably always drive a you know, pretty nice car or whatever. So I'll maybe, you know, crank it up a little notch over this guy. But at the same time, like, I hope that by the time I go, um, you know, I can leave something like that behind, which maybe is money, right? But maybe it's, you know, some other form of legacy or support or whatever. Um, and I hope that people can like, you know, look at that and be like, oh, you know, I never knew blank, right? Like I never knew that he cared so much about this thing or that he, you know, had that much money and was willing to just give it all away, you know? So I don't know what that is for me. I guess I hope, you know, I hope I have a lot of time to figure that out. But, um, you know, I think it like speaks to humility. I think that's the word that I'm kind of dancing around here. Like, I hope that I can continue to kind of live a life of humility and, you know, I don't need to flaunt anything. And I hope that, you know, if, if I can surprise some people, it's maybe when I'm gone, you know, and like, here's the gift that I'll leave for everyone. Like I say, whatever that might be, but just a cool story. And, you know, in, in a world where you hear about the show and you, you know, see what everybody, um, is chasing on social media, which is, you know, fame or a lie, whatever it is. I don't know, you know, but um, it's just refreshing to see somebody that um, can kind of just live life in the way that makes sense for them. And then, you know, at the end of it all, we've a huge gift to a community like that. It's just amazing. So super cool story. Check out the link. We'll share it. We'll definitely do that. Yeah. All right, Cedric, I think you're up. Oh man, goodness. Um, you know, we just talked an hour about literally giving and, and injecting positivity. And I think I think for me right now, and it's so strange because this hat that I'm wearing was literally to cover up a bad hair day. Literally. <laughs> but when I think about what it says, and I don't know if y'all can read this, it's called the vibe controller. Um, there are, there is, there's a set of twins here in Mississippi. Um, they are comedians. They are, they, they are hired to host events and, and things like that, uh, and inject comedy into various platforms. They have, they've done things all over the country, but they're from right here at home. And I don't know if many of you have heard of the Mississippi Delta. It has the if you're not educated about it, you hear maybe poverty or or it's it's just the rural areas of of the state. But I go back to this quote that says, "Is there anything good that can come out of a place?" Well, these two guys, where humble beginnings might be the own look or outlook from someone else, these guys mirror positivity. I mean, I have not seen them. In a in a position where 
the level of authenticity, so authenticity and positivity was at an all-time high. So I'm a firm believer in you show me your friends and I'll show you mm -hmm. your future. These guys, I, I try to promote them wherever I go because it's not about me. It's about it's about helping others to to get to where you know they want to be or you know, fill in the blank again. You can inject anything in that place. But the name alone, the vibe controllers, these guys want to be in control of the vibe when they when they are there and they do a great job of that. They they can walk into a funeral. And, you know, as as tough as that could be, you know, before you left there, Evan having come in contact with them, um, they just are infectious with uh laughter and genuine. And I I I just I I promote them. I take myself out of the mix a lot of times as well because it's about promoting others. So if you just Google, type in on social media platforms, the vibe controller, you'll be able to see in capacity uh what they're all about and 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 what we in Mississippi are doing uh to just create the vibes of 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 positivity. Um and you talked about money. Like I know that you can give me a million dollars because all I'm gonna do is turn around and bless people with it and give it away. So I, I get that and I, I I can share that sentiment. I understand that totally. But you definitely want to be a vibe controller. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Okay, now it's up to me. And I'm let me just bring the intellectual level of the room down here for <laughs> a minute. No, I'm s i am want to share something purely because it excited me. Um, and it is a movie called Nan stick stick with me. Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. It's the name of this movie. Um and the reason I was excited about it, and we watched it, and it's okay. It's a, it's a perfectly fine movie. Um, it, is a, it is a fictionalized account of a story I was really interested in. And the story is Jeff the Mongoose. Jeff the Mongoose. So there, is a fa there was a family in the Isle of Man in the 30s that sort of perpetrated a hoax where they said that they had a um supernatural entity that was a mongoose that could talk and could affect people and could uh predict the future it just there was all sorts of mythos built around this mongoose that was supposed to be living in the walls of their house um and i i think that they ended up proving that it was their teenage daughter who was a pretty gifted ventriloquist. Um, but I've always been fascinated by the story. It just is a interesting and fun story to learn about when you start to see, uh, you know, they start to tell the story in their little village and people are traveling from all over the world. And well, this movie is about Nandor Fodor, who is a parapsychologist who goes to, who goes to investigate and it's his sort of journey with it. It's really fun movie. I liked it. Uh, I suggest it. We'll share the IMDb page so people can see what it is. But totally recommend it, even though it's a little silly. <laughs> I like it. But he needs a little <laughs> Right. Awesome. And Neil Gaiman is the voice of the mongoose. 
which I oh. should also point out because I know Ben loves Neil Gaiman. So yeah. Awesome. Hi. Well, Cedric, this has been an absolute delight. I am so glad we got to connect today. Thank you so much for everything, all of everything that you poured out to us and everything that you gave us today. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. I feel like I met you. I feel like I've known you just in the two emails back and forth that we've sent. <laughs> it was so awesome. And, you know, being again, I, I, it was a, that was a minute piece of what you've done for me. And I, I greatly appreciate you. I dare not hone in on it for myself. I, I'm going to give that away because it's, it's perfect. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks. you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your platform. This is awesome. To, to, I mean, I this is this is great. So thank you for your platform. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're happy to do it. Thanks for um, dropping a line to, um, you know, show some interest in being a guest. I mean, we're always on the lookout for cool things happening and awesome people to talk to. Um, and I guess to that point, um, feel free to participate in the platform. And if, as you're out and about talking to people uh, and you think that somebody's got something to share, connect them to us. We'd love to invite more people on to, you know, not only credit unions, of course, credit unions share the great work that uh, they're doing and the difference about the industry and everything, but just people that are making you know, positive change in the world. That's what it's all about. So yeah, for everything you're doing, Cedric. All right. Thank you all so much. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. And you're welcome back anytime. Thank you. So that means a lot. Thank you. And thank you listeners for joining us. You can always catch us on your favorite podcast app, or you can find our episodes on our blog at exclamationcuso.com slash blog. You got it. Thanks, Sue. Thanks again, Cedric. Thanks, listener. We will see you next time. Be awesome. Take care. The Osmology Podcast is a production of Exclamation Services. Thanks to Nick Mulliver for sound production and Kylie Ganther for our cover artwork. Executive producers are me, Ben Bauer, and my friend, Suzanne Campbell.